Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Boy, do we have a show for you today. Nothing in particular, nothing really important or exciting happened. Okay, it did. Trump was indicted. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to have uh, Ellie Honig on to give us a little bit of insight into the Trump indictment, help us unpack that a little bit. And then we're going to have Joe Walsh, who certainly knows a thing or two about Republican politics and Congress and Trump. He ran against him in 2020. But first, I want to thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, and we will read a few next time. We're also going to start sharing some of the social media feedback we get. So also, if you like the podcast, uh, don't forget to follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. So here's a couple of recent emails. From One is from Steve Timmer. Uh, he's commenting on the Michael Cruz Kane episode. He said, the episode was terrific. 30 years ago, I had a serious head injury. I couldn't walk, talk, read, or write for months. Then I'd get, oh, you're a miracle, or God's looking after you. It made me think of the people I'd met in the hospital or in rehab or in the support group who weren't as lucky as me and I'd be tempted to make some bitter remark about the people God left behind. Remarks like this were also a dismissal of the effort that my therapist and I put into my recovery. Rich Cole writes, simply, interesting interviews are continuing. Thanks. Michelle Ann Dash posted, just listening now to the J. Smith Cameron episode, and wow, what a knockout conversation this is turning out to be. Well, thank you all for your comments. Keep listening. Uh, Let's get to our two big things. First is Donald Trump. It's called election interference. They're trying to destroy a reputation so they can win an election. That's just as bad as doing any of the other things that have been done over the last number of years. I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. Uh, I'm innocent, and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. Did he record that in like a tunnel under Mar-a-Lago? Like, what's with the sound on that? They prepared this for weeks, and that's the best he could do? (laughs) Jesus Christ. It might as well have done it with like uh, two cups and a string. So for those of you who may be living under a rock, uh, Donald Trump has been indicted yet again, this time federally, which is some serious shit. So now he, he's he been indicted twice. We still have Georgia, which is almost certain to indict him this summer. And Jack Smith, who whose Department of Justice investigation just handed down the indictment last night uh, in the Mar-a-Lago stolen documents case is also working on the January 6th insurrection. So it's very likely by the end of summer, Donald Trump will have been indicted four times. And this is after being found guilty of sexual abuse in the New York E. Jean Carroll rape case. Really astounding. It's a lot of fundraising for him. Uh, that, that was the first thing on my mind. <laughs> like, True. You know, after he was indicted in New York for 34 felonies, they raised $12 million in the first week. I will bet you they'll have a record raise off of the Jack Smith indictment. And they're basically going to monetize his shared persecution and victimhood. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's not like there's like a duty-free shop in prison. I'm going to bet a box of chocolates he never serves a day in prison. I think you should up the ante with a dinner. I will bet a dinner. You guys in your bets. <laughs> I lost one bet. Now I'm like a total loser. I really want to go to Paris. <laughs> we could talk about that offline. <laughs> 
here are the charges supposedly in the indictment, the seven charges. They include unauthorized violation of the Espionage Act, retention of national security documents, conspiracy, obstruction, false statements, mishandling official documents, contempt. I particularly like the conspiracy one because that means other people are involved and I just can't wait to find out who they are. Do you have any ideas? Oh, sure. Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Roger Stone. It's a long list. Uh, It is a long list. It could be a very long list. But what we do know is that Jack Smith ain't fucking around. That dude, I swear to God, I shit in my pants looking at that one picture of Jack Smith. Like, if I was Donald Trump, that picture alone would probably give me a stroke. But he's totally innocent. Totally innocent. I did nothing wrong. Everybody in the world is against me. All the fake charges. According to his lawyer, who, by the way, has the best name for a lawyer. Oh, the best. For sure. (laughs) Best name for a lawyer for Donald Trump. James Trusty. Okay. Yeah. If your name is James. chosen. (laughs) We got to get a guy with a good name. How about Trusty? Everybody will trust him. According to James Trusty. Donald Trump's initial, like, very first reaction was, this is just a sad day. I can't believe I've been indicted. Why not? You're the most corrupt fucker to ever step foot in Washington. Why would you be surprised? Because all of the Republicans' responses are, it's a weaponization. I mean, it's cray-cray, and yet, I mean... <clears throat> I, I, know, I know, but, you know, if... if How many maggots we have listening to the show now, Jen? I think we're up to... I think we might be down to four. four down to four? We were at seven. <laughs> We didn't expand our base? Not after no. the indictment. Okay, so for the four MAGAs listening out there, just think of it this way. Democrats despise Mike Pence. We despise Ted Cruz. We loathe Marco Rubio and Josh Hawley. And I'm not even going to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Paul Gosar and Matt Gates and all those guys who we absolutely just hate. We hate these people. How come they're never indicted? How come there's no investigations for these people? If there was truly the power the Democrats had with their deep state resources to conduct all these awful witch hunt investigations and indict people and send them to prison, why would we just do it for Trump? Well, you know what Trump would say? What would Trump say? He'd say because he's the front runner and he could be president and he's going to win. Joe Biden is stopping him. And the others aren't. In the contention. Trump would be wrong because if, 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 <laughs> no if you're a criminally minded party and you have the power to do all kinds of shit, you don't let the Supreme Court take over, you know, conservatives take over the Supreme Court. You don't let Roe v. Wade get overturned. You don't, you don't just sit back and watch the House get put in Republican control, but, but, but we'll use all this massive I dream of genie power just on Trump. Anybody who believes that is an absolute moron. I'm sorry. I just. You mean the majority of the base of the Republican Party? Yes. How dare you talk about our fellow Americans like that? The other interesting thing is that this case is going to be taking place in Miami, which was a kind of a stroke of genius on Jack Smith's part because it's probably going to speed up the trial process. It eliminated what would have been a months long jurisdictional fight, like for venue, where should it be? Because. Technically, you're supposed to try these cases where the offenses have been committed. But that that raises the question of the jury pool. 
you know, in Washington, in D.C., I think 5% went for Trump. In Miami or in Dade County specifically, 46% went for Trump. All you need is one angry maggot, and you've got a hung jury. But I think Jack Smith understands he has a rock-solid case, and that jurors, whether they live in Florida or D.C. or anywhere else, will be presented with overwhelming evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, they going to do the right thing. And he's probably right. Yeah, I think he had no choice because of the venue issue. And also, apparently, the 11th Circuit, where he's doing it, is already used to Trump delay tactics, so they are not going to be very tolerant. What's also fascinating to me is you think of the pussy grabbing, which he admitted. You think of the E. Jean Carroll case, you know, sexual abuse, found liable. Two impeachments, two indictments now. More indictments likely to come. And he's the actual front runner. Yeah, no doubt. This it, is how it goes, man. Isn't that just insane? Everybody's lining up behind this man. That's crazy. This presents major problems for the people running against him because Absolutely. you have people like Charlie Kirk saying every Republican should be running to the president, Trump, that is, because they have to defend him. The crazy thing is that this is just an unforced error. All he had to do was do what Biden did and Pence did and just say, all right, here's the documents. He didn't even have to do that. I mean, he obviously purposely took them. Even if he purposely took every document in the archive and gave them back, they would have been like, okay, yeah, this but is it. If he said, oh, my God, I didn't know. Of course. Here they, they have to prove the intent you just spoke. And they would have been impossible to do it that. It would have been impossible. They, the other thing that's just absolutely delicious is if you remember how Trump's 16 campaign kind of launched, it was pretty much on the whole Hillary Clinton, yes. sensitive information, the 33,000 emails, lock her up. It's really come full circle that he is partly going to go down on this shit that he outrageously accused her of is just absolutely delicious to me. And he increased the penalty while he was president. He increased the yeah. penalty for what he did. Right. I want to speak to all the commentary I've been hearing about. Like, this is a sad, dark day for America. Darkest. It's not. It really is not a sad, dark day. And I would caution people, take the emotion out of it. It's not a sad day. It's not a happy day, right? Just make it an important day, an important day for democracy, for the rule of law, for America. Somebody who has blatantly violated his oath is being held accountable. That's an important day. We don't have to get into the emotion of it. This isn't an a exercise in psychology. It's about the rule of law. No one is above the law, right? That's what we were told. Let's get to 2024, which is our second big thing, which kind of seems small compared to the Trump news this week, but it is important because people like Chris Christie and Mike Pence threw their hat in the ring. Let's check out this clip. A lonely, self-consumed, self-serving mirror hog <laughs> is not a leader. The person I am talking about who is obsessed with the mirror, who never admits a mistake, who never admits a fault, and who always finds someone else and something else to blame for whatever goes wrong, but finds every reason to take credit for anything that goes right, is Donald Trump. It's not amusing anymore, it's not entertaining anymore, it is 
the last throes of a bitter, angry man who wants power back for himself, not for you. First of all, they're saying Christie's so tough. When being tough means you're calling somebody a mirror hog. <laughs> Excuse me. You need to like make it a little bit more aggressive than that. You know, mirror hog. Oh, he called me a mirror hog. Oh, that's so, oh my God, I'm shaking in my boots. I'm so insulted. Oh, he's so tough. I'm so scared. No one's ever called me a mirror hog before. I mean, let the games begin. This is going to be so much fun. Mirror hog. Well, Trump has already started with the fat shaming. And you've probably seen some of those pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you have uh, Mike Pence. January 6th was a tragic day in the life of our nation. The American people deserve to know that on that day, President Trump also demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. Now voters will be faced with the same choice. I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I believe that anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be President of the United States. And anyone who asks someone else to put them over the Constitution should never be President of the United States again. First of all, he he's so boring that boring people, when they see him coming, they're like, fuck it, I'm out of here. That dude is so boring. And, and he, he has no core. But the, the fascinating thing to me is he was also asked if Trump was the nominee, if he would vote for him. And rather than play an actual clip, I, I feel like I'm going to I'm going to answer as Mike Pence did. Because this is basically what Mike Pence said. So, Mr. Pence, but if but if Donald Trump is a nominee, will you vote for him? First, first of all, Donald Trump is the worst human being on the face of the earth. The American people know that. We know that. You know that. I know that. He is scum. He's dangerous. He's a sociopath. He's a pathological liar. He's twice impeached. He's twice indicted. Likely to get indicted more. He's just an awful, dangerous human being that poses the worst existential threat that America has ever faced. And I would absolutely vote for him again. That's Mike Pence. Okay. Good luck, Mike Pence. But you should win because I got a bet riding on you, on your white ass. <laughs> so that could be the second bet I lose. All right, let's get to our winners and losers. My winner today is the Voting Rights Act, where the Supreme Court upheld Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And it holds that you can't dilute political voting power. And that's uh, amazing that they did that in a 5-4 decision. My loser is an easy one, which is Chris Licht for having 13 months of incredibly bad ratings and severely damaging CNN, which is a really quite a good news network or was. So I have to agree with you in terms of the winner. And my loser is a middle-aged Floridian white woman who shot her black neighbor through her closed front door and killed her in front of her 10-year-old son. What does it say when a person can shoot and kill an unarmed mother in the presence of her young children and not be immediately taken into custody, questioned, and charged? My winner, I agree, U.S. Supreme Court. Loser, Trump would be an easy choice, but I'm going to go with the PGA Tour, which announced its merger with the controversial Saudi-backed Live Golf in a direct slap to the families of 9-11 victims and the family of Jamal Khashoggi, and is yet another reason to hate golf, in my opinion. All right, let's get to our weekly rant. At a town hall in New Hampshire this week, Chris Christie officially tossed his hat into the 2024 presidential ring. The pugnacious pugilist from New Jersey, the bombastic blowhard, the Republican Party's great white hope, 
the one they're banking on to deliver a final crushing blow to their dangerous, destructive, corrupt, treasonous, sociopathic, presumptive nominee. Chris Christie? Tough guy? Really? This is a guy who voted twice for Trump, and after his own campaign failed, became his highly influential advisor, fiercely defended him, helped him with debate prep, led his presidential transition team, lobbied for and expected either the vice presidency or the attorney general job, and basically licked his ass with greater ferocity than a kid with a lollipop. And who could forget Christie's shell-shocked gaze in March 2016 as he stood behind a maniacal Trump on Super Tuesday night, looking like a terrified hostage who just realized he got handcuffed to the bow of the Titanic. His vomitous, sycophantic loyalty outraged mainstream Republicans, like his predecessor, Christine Todd Whitman, who said, I am ashamed that Christie would endorse anyone who has employed the kind of hate-mongering and racism that Trump has. When a teenager in New Hampshire threw him a softball and gave him the perfect opportunity to redeem himself, asking if Trump was a better choice than Hillary Clinton in 2016, given all that we now know about his unprecedented corruption and treason, Christie faithfully replied, I still would have picked Trump. Apparently an ass licker can't change his spots. Let's face it, like so many other powerful Republicans, Christie is a coward, an opportunist, a pathetic, self-serving, double-talking snake who for years enabled a monster but is suddenly having his come-to-Jesus moment, who thinks voters will forget what a shameless lapdog he was. Last month, Christie said, quote, I don't think that anybody is going to beat Donald Trump by sidling up to him, playing footsie with him, and pretending that you're almost like him. Well, if anyone knows a thing or two about playing footsie with Donald Trump, it's Chris Christie, and he's going to have a hard time escaping that reprehensible, humiliating past. All right, let's get to our first guest, Ellie Honig. Ellie is an attorney and CNN senior legal analyst and the best-selling author of Hatchet Man and the recently released Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. He's a former assistant United States attorney for the Southern District of New York. He also hosts podcasts and writes for Cafe and Vox Media, and we're thrilled to have him in here just the morning after the announced indictment to help us unpack it all. Ellie, welcome back into the back room. Andy, good to be with you. I'm not sure we have anything to talk about. That nothing really has happened this week. You know, so, I, uh, I wanted to just ask you about the uh, the the Miami Heat because that's the big yeah, Mi- that's the big uh, Miami think, news this week. I think they can still come back. I mean, Denver's no, okay, yeah. <laughs> we got some stuff to talk about for sure. They they got a new player. His name is Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. He's going to be in the house. He, um, he it, will be in the house. Know, and by the way, right? Maybe. By the way, one of the things I'll, I'll just jump right to this that I found so interesting, an unexpected turn. This thing went from a D.C. case to a Florida case real quick. All the grand jury activity, all the reporting for months was in D.C. And all of a sudden, maybe a week ago, if that, we started to get reporting that, oh, they're putting a witness or two into the grand jury in Florida. And let me tell you why that matters so much. By the way, I think this was the absolute right move by DOJ legally for sure, probably politically. But it's going to help Donald Trump when you think about the jury pool. So there's this notion called venue. And mm-hmm. that means as, as a federal prosecutor, you have to charge a crime in the district where it occurs. And if it's in more than one district, which happens a lot, you, you can choose either, but you're supposed to choose the one where more of it occurs. There definitely is venue. Prosecutors are fine on venue in Florida because Mar-a-Lago and all the stuff that happened in Mar-a-Lago. D.C. was actually going to be potentially dicey in terms of venue because it's not entirely clear that some of the document retention crimes happened in D.C. So it was a smart legal move by charging in Florida. They avoid that issue. But 
they're looking at a very different jury pool now. I mean, in Washington, D.C., Andy, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. What percent would you guess of Washington, D.C. in the 2020 election? What percent of the presidential vote do you think Donald Trump got in Washington, D.C. in 2020? I'm going to go with 5%. Did you look that out? <laughs> what do you, Ellie, who do you think I am? I'm a smart guy. <laughs> I know my statistics. I'm going to assume that you've been watching me on CNN because I've said that a couple times. <laughs> Yeah, we, five, it was either, it was either you or somebody else. <laughs> I'm very impressed, but 5.4%, meaning 94.6% of D.C. voted against Trump. Now, if you go to Florida, Trump won. He got right. 51% of the vote. Now, of course, jurors are not supposed to vote based on their politics. They're told that, and they swear they won't, but, like, they're humans. Let's be real. So, DOJ just got itself a much tougher jury pool, much more likely to have more Trump voters, but I think they did the right thing here. You don't, You shouldn't try to game the system to get a better jury pool they would have been criticized rightly if they had done so and they picked the right legal result here mm -hmm. and speaking of the jury pool doesn't it sort of speak to the fact that jack smith and department of justice likely feels they have a pretty ironclad case here well i i mean i think they would have to feel that way before they brought an indictment no matter what but yes i do think it's sort of a sign of strength like look we're not trying to go indict you in probably of all the 94 federal districts in this country, probably the single one with the highest number of anti-Trump voters. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's a show of strength, a quiet show of strength to say, look, we're going to go right down the middle here. We're going to do this exactly as we would in any other case. And the right venue call is Florida. And if you got 51% support in Florida, so be it. We think our proof will stand, uh, stand for itself. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was a big mistake not to unseal uh, this indictment and, and once again giving Donald Trump yep. the opportunity to shape the narrative over the next days or weeks without any kind of official um, response from justice? No. I mean, I think they should have unsealed by now. You know, it, it will be unsealed at the latest at the time of the arraignment on Tuesday at three. The reasons you seal in the first place an indictment as a prosecutor is one, if you think the guy's going to flee, you haven't arrested him yet. That's not going to happen. And two, you think he's a danger to the community. And, you know, whatever one may think about Donald Trump, he's not going to shoot people or anything like that. So the reasons for keeping it sealed are kind of not there anymore, but it's DOJ's prerogative. Now, they, yes, they, again, they've ceded the floor to him by, again, they haven't sent him the indictment. Donald Trump's lawyers don't have the indictment. What they have is a one page, basically a cover sheet, a worksheet that lists out some of the charges, but in no real detail. That said, I don't see Trump and his people really doing much with the spin job. I mean, they're, they're giving the standard talking points about politically driven investigation, but they're not ripping into the substance of anything. So I don't I don't think that's much of a concern at this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm just going to push back a little bit on the on the quote unquote danger thing, because you're right. Trump's not going to, you know, pack an Uzi and go out in the street and shoot people. But what he does in being dangerous is spread lies and falsehoods and, and rile up and incite his base, uh, which then in turn could possibly, as we've seen, uh, result in yeah. uh, violence. So the danger is in allowing him this megaphone uh, unchallenged. No, I agree. I agree with you. Let's let's take what you said as, as a given. But I don't know that unsealing or not unsealing makes any difference in that calculation. Mm -hmm. So if justice came out and said, uh, well, let me ask you a question first before I ask you that other question. Yeah. 
is 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 it uh this did Jack Smith have the option of saying to Trump and his legal team, you cannot speak about this, like gag order type thing? No, no, not at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. you would have to be able to go in front of a judge and make a clear showing that there's a, you know, a continuing danger. There is a quasi gag order in place in the Manhattan case, limiting the ways that Trump can talk about and distribute the discovery, the evidence. Mm-hmm. And there's always the limit that once you cross the line into threats, that's potentially illegal. But no, there's no, I, I don't think at this point they would have a basis and I don't think they want to go into court. I mean, look, keep in mind, any person absolutely has the right to criticize vehemently mm-hmm. his prosecutors, the office that's prosecuting him, the indictment, um, the judge even. Mm-hmm. It's not a great idea. I mean, he's your judge, but you can if you want. The line is where you're either inciting or invoking some kind of danger to that person or a threat or potentially where your comments are so outrageous and so pervasive that you're potentially contaminating the jury pool. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're, we're there uh, uh, or, or particularly close to that on this this point. So the, the threat then from Trump, which we, we agree on, is the rhetoric. Uh, wouldn't it have made sense for someone official in the Department of Justice to come out and make some kind of statement prior to him making it so that there was some counter narrative out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the questions DOJ's probably contemplating, should we come out? Should we unseal this thing? Should we, you know, when they unseal it, I presume there'll be some sort of press release and probably brief press conference. Uh, We'll finally get to see Jack Smith. So yeah, I think they're balancing that against wanting to keep it confidential to not give him ammo, as you just said. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we've learned from from the Mueller uh, report, right? We've seen this movie before, you know? That, yeah, I mean, that was different because, and again, this is a credit to Merrick Garland, who I, I've been critical of in several respects. But yeah, when the Mueller report came out, I mean, that, that was not an indictment, so it's a little different. But Bill Barr spun the thing and then took a month to release the actual report. Here you have an indictment. You can't keep it sealed for a month unless you have some real pressing need. So, so yeah, and look, I also, I don't know that making a compelling substantive case is going to tamp down the people who anybody's worried about here. I don't know that, to, to take an example, anyone who's, God forbid, thinking about some sort of January 6th-like shenanigans is going to go, hmm, now that I've seen the indictment, I think there's some merit to it. I'm going to I'm gonna cancel my trip to, you know, my, my, I'm going to put away the bear spray and not go to Miami anymore. So I'm right. not sure how persuadable those folks are. Mm-hmm. Nice bear spray reference, by the way. What is the distinction between uh, a federal charge and a state charge in terms of severity that Trump in particular should be worried about? Well, you can't generalize as the federal versus state. I mean, you know, there are plenty of federal charges that are more serious than state and vice versa. I mean, you know, state murder is more more serious than federal theft of mail. Right. Uh, but I, I get the gist of what you're saying here. These charges are, again, not even having seen them, but only knowing what, what we know from Trump's attorneys at this point. These charges are, in my view, substantially far more serious than the charges in Manhattan, which is falsifying business records relating to a hush money payment to a porn star. It is very hard to give the old eye roll to what Trump appears to be charged with here, which is compromising our national security, mishandling sensitive government documents, uh, defense-related information, and obstruction of justice. Uh, We know that's one of the charges, too. So I think these charges are far more serious. There's an interesting political question, which I can't answer. I don't think anybody can really answer at this point is, will this sort of go into the same, yeah, yeah, water off my back, you know, 
bucket that the Manhattan charge wound up in? Or will there be people who weren't so moved or bothered by the Manhattan charge, the hush money charge, who may look at this and go, now that's real, that's more serious, that concerns me. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that that's TBD. Right. Does it make it harder or easier, uh, or does it not matter in terms of the uh, uh, impending Georgia decision and Jack Smith's uh, uh, investigation into J6 that this, in so, this indictment came down? Yeah, I don't think it really has much of an impact. I mean, I still fully expect Georgia, Fulton County to indict uh, in the timeline that the DA there has laid out for us in August. I actually, I mean, I am stunned. I, it looked to me for a, quite a while like Georgia would be first. Now, as it plays out, they're going to be the third to charge. I still think the odds of that are very, very high. You know, it's an interesting question about will Merrick Garland, will DOJ and Jack Smith charge January 6th? I've, I've never been convinced that Trump would be charged by DOJ in connection to January 6th. And in a way, this is sort of a gift to Merrick Garland because let's assume I'm right. Let's assume he doesn't charge. And it's been two and a half plus years already. He was already taking a lot of heat, will continue to take a lot of heat from people who believe Trump should be charged. But I think some of that will be dissipated now. Because even though Mar-a-Lago just sort of happened, had nothing to do with January 6th, people who have wanted to see Trump indicted, and by the way, I don't, you know, I don't count myself as somebody who want, wants to see Trump indicted for anything, who cares what, just as long as he's indicted. I wanted to see him indicted for the most serious stuff in the right way. But I think people who are just sort of blindly hungering for a Trump indictment have at least been satiated now. And I don't think Merrick Garland will go down as, as a failure because he has at least indicted Trump for this. So, yeah, I, I don't I just I'd still be surprised if he charges on January 6th. But don't all these offenses have to be prosecuted on their own individual merits? You know, for example, you know, another president 10 years from now who may not steal documents, who may not call up a Brad Raffensperger and say, I need votes, but who may actually try to overturn an election and overthrow the government. D doesn't that case regarding Trump need to be prosecuted on its own in order to uh, set that precedent that you cannot get away with trying to overturn an election and overthrow a government? Well, that, that, that's certainly my position. I mean, I argue that in my book, but mm -hmm. Merrick Garland, to this point, does not seem to agree. Maybe he'll be, uh, maybe he'll sort of disprove us. I mean, it is a trickier charge to make than, than this is, right? This you can, I can probably explain this one to an average high school, you know, sophomore in a sentence or two. January 6th is trickier, and you have to show that, you know, it gets into dicier issues of intent. I'm not making an excuse. Again, I have a big chunk of my last chapter in my book arguing why Trump should be or should have been charged in relation to January 6th. But I just, I'd be surprised if Garland agrees. And my last question to you is just a more of a procedural yeah. one. When it, Now that there are multiple cases, multiple indictments and more coming and yeah. uh, multiple trials, they they... They don't. How does that work in terms of timeline? You have one trial, and huh. that's over, and then there's another one, and that's over, and then they go swift. So is like Donald Trump going to be in trials for like the next four years? So it's a great question. The answer is it's every judge for him or herself, um, because you know they can coordinate. It's not unheard of for a judge to call another judge and say, "Hey, I see you have this defendant scheduled for trial, but I need to try him that week. Would you mind doing him a little later?" In a normal case, that happens sometimes if you have one person who's charged in multiple jurisdictions. But let's look at the landscape here. Manhattan has already scheduled uh, a trial to start at the end of March 2023.
that will carry into April. Let's, uh, you know, probably through April. And let's keep in mind, one, a defendant has a constitutional right to assist in his own defense and to prepare for trial. And two, you can't just stack trials back to back to back. You have to allow proper time for preparation. And three, it's going to be the height of the 2024 election. So I've had this debate. I think I did have it on air last night with somebody. Okay. There is no way this case gets tried before the Manhattan case. You would have to start in January to do that because that'll take you into, let's say, February, and then you have to allow time to prepare. That's not happening. So then the question is, let's say the Manhattan case takes you through April. You have to build in some time, again, the prep. So June, you're going to start a federal trial, a second trial of this guy while he's, let's assume, either the nominee or the front runner. I mean, I don't see a federal judge, A, trying one of the front runners that close to an election anyway. But I also do not, I think it's unrealistic to think Trump's going to have two or three consecutive trials throughout 2024 while he's running for president and quite possibly one of the two major parties' nominees. I think the most likely scenario right now, Manhattan, the Manhattan DA case obviously is in first. Uh, they grabbed the date first. That is the only one that I think, you know, assuming that date holds, of course, he'll be tried before the election. But I realistically don't see either of the other two potential cases getting a trial in before the election. Mm. It's also crazy. Anyway, Ellie, I know you got to run. You're a busy guy today, uh, as you should be. Uh, thanks for hopping on for a quick uh, unpacking, and uh, we'll look forward to the next ch uh, conversation. Thanks, Andy. Great talking to you. Take, Take care. care. It's always great when we have Ellie on, especially on a day like today where there's so much breaking news this morning and last night. But it will be fascinating to see what happens with Trump going forward. I think uh, something tells me Ellie's going to be back on soon. The thing that you asked him last about the scheduling, mm. that was kind of depressing. Well, yes, because we want all of this shit to happen before <laughs> the election and we wanted to impact the election and to hear like, oh, it's we're going to get the New York state case before the election, but the others not after, after the election. So oh. It's beyond depressing. Well, we have to hope that the electorate, uh, sort of the impact of the of the indictments themselves is enough to impact his viability as a candidate, but we don't know. You yeah. Know. Um, all right. We have another great guest, Joe Walsh. He's a former congressman from Illinois, a former nationally syndicated far-right talk show host and 2020 Republican candidate for president. He's the author of the 2020 book, Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the cultish, moronic, authoritarian con man he is. One of my favorite book titles ever. He's also a host of the podcast White Flag with Joe Walsh, and he is chairman of nonpartisan Center Street PAC. He's a board member of bipartisan gun safety organization 97% and is a frequent political commentator on CNN and MSNBC. Joe, welcome back into the back room. Andy, I love being with you, man. I've missed you. It's the same here, and I don't even know, I don't even know where to start because I think in just like the last... 20 or 30 minutes or so there's been breaking news i mean obviously trump was indicted last night but like i i understand now that his legal team quit and then there's a judge that's been appointed who's i think a pro trump judge in florida so you know anything about this stuff because i've been on yeah a so like a, a a trump friendly judge has been picked uh we'll see what happens with that uh, I don't know that he fired his legal team, but yeah, it sounds like he's got a new lawyer. And Andy, to me, like this morning, the biggest news was uh, CNN reported they got him on tape saying something like he was in a meeting with some people shuffling around a bunch of classified docs. And he said, now, look, guys, if I were president, I could have declassified these, but now I can't. They're top secret. Right. 
So he's on tape saying shit like that. Yeah, he's his own worst enemy. And uh, it's probably why his legal teams keep coming and going, because he's the worst legal client in the history of the law. You tweeted something a couple of days ago, which was, uh, quote, a reminder that when Trump is indicted again, Republicans will rally behind him and attack the Justice Department. And a reminder that this Republican Party cannot be saved. Obviously, in the last 12, 15 hours or so, we've seen everyone from Kevin McCarthy to Rubio to Josh Hawley to DeSantis, Tim Scott, et cetera. What is happening? What Can this guy literally shoot somebody in the head and still have everybody support him and defend him? Why can't they let go? Because, uh, Andy, unlike you and me, um, uh, these guys are uh, committed to staying relevant and keeping their career. And it's the smart political thing to do. I couldn't do it. I didn't do it. You couldn't do it. But it makes sense. They all hate Trump. Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, DeSantis, Tim Scott. Privately, they hate him. They want him fucking gone. They've made a bet uh, that uh, let's just throw our names in there, stand by him, and either the Justice Department or a heart attack will take him out. We can't do that because if we publicly go after him, we're done because the base doesn't want to hear that. So so their, their play is just stay in there, open prey that uh, 10 indictments or a heart attack take him out. That's what they're doing. It's it's just such a an inexplicable phenomenon, though. Here's a guy who's an admitted pussy grabber. He was found liable for sexual abuse. He was impeached twice. He's now been indicted twice. He's likely going to be indicted once or twice more. Why is he the front runner? Why are they still throwing everything away, including their own legacies, for this guy? I just don't get it. Well, from a politician's viewpoint or a conservative talk a radio kind of a person, the guys that I was, um, you, you're you done. Like, imagine, Andy, if Ron DeSantis came out today and said, all right, this is fucking it. Uh, Trump, what Trump did was wrong. Uh, thank God the Justice Department has finally held him accountable. And there will be more indictments coming. This is an embarrassment. No fucking way should he be our nominee. He should be in jail. If, if Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, Andy, believes every single word I just said, if he said that publicly today, his candidacy would be over in a nanosecond. Done. Uh, Liz Cheney, he'd be a Liz Cheney. He'd be a Joe Walsh. He'd be an Adam Kinziger. So he'd be done. I hate to say this. But again, it, it's smart. It's you sell your soul, but but it's the smarter political play if you've sold your soul to just echo what Trump's saying about all of this, even though you don't believe it. But Andy, that's the answer. Your career would be done. Ron DeSantis wants to be president. I, I agree with you 98 percent of the time with that concept. But there's just a little part of me that says, wouldn't this be the absolute best time for DeSantis to do that? To say all the things you just said that he could say and then finish with, 
I love Donald Trump's policies, and I will continue those, and I will give you more, but I won't give you the man. I won't give you the corruption. I won't give you the treason. I won't give you all the things that you know you don't like, but I'll give you everything else. But, Andy, my good democratic progressive friend, you ain't his audience. His DeSantis and Pence and Haley and Scott, all the rest of them, their audience right now is Republican voters. And Republican voters, 80% of them believe the 2020 election was stolen. They do, Andy, they still do. Republican voters believe this is election interference, these indictments. They believe that. So if you're DeSantis or Pence and you know what your audience believes, oh, I'll tell you what, it takes kamikaze courage. I would do it. But it takes kamikaze courage to tell them the truth, even if it's not what they believe. How does this end? Politically, it's suicide. But how does this end? I mean, I know you mentioned the indictments and the heart attack, or whatever. Like, he's a fucking cockroach. He's not dying of a heart attack. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be around as long as humanly possible. He has no stress. So people who die of heart attacks and strokes are people who bottle shit up. And you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, his id is leading the way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, he's not going to die of a heart attack. Agreed. So at, with his base that you just mentioned, the Oval Office could be a square cell. Yeah. And, and they don't yeah. care. They don't care if he's indicted. It's, it's, you're right. It's a hoax. It's this. It's that. It's the deep state. It's weaponization. Like DeSantis and Tim Scott. This is the thing I don't get. These guys are running against him. But they're saying it's the weaponization of the government. Well, 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 well. Let me correct you, my friend. They're not running against Trump. See, this is the biggest bullshit in the world. None of them believe they can beat Trump. DeSantis, Pence, Haley, Scott, none of them believe it. None of them are actually trying to beat Trump. I mean this, Andy. They're all waiting, hoping and praying that something happens. Mm. They are not campaigning against him, right. even DeSantis. They are not. They won't. They've made a bet that something... The nomination is Trump's. I've always believed it. Uh, barring an unforeseen circumstance, like 10 indictments or a heart attack. That's the calculation they've made. But they're not, they're not trying to beat him, Andy. They know they can't. They know they can't. It is just so how does it end? So how yeah, does, how it, does end? it end? So, so I think, I think, I actually think, and I want your thought on this. You'll probably disagree with me. I think this indictment really politically helps him. Because this is right in his fucking wheelhouse. This is, I am persecuted. Uh, 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 the deep state continuing to go after me. Andy, I've heard from, uh, last night and this morning, I probably heard from 40 to 50 Republicans who are not MAGA and they don't like Trump and they want Trump gone, just voters. And even they're pissed about what, they see the Justice Department did here. I don't agree with this, but like the 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 two-tiered system, like they're picking on Trump, but not Hillary for her emails and Joe Biden with all the, the files by his Corvette in his garage and blah, blah, blah. To them, to, I've heard from reasonable Republicans who don't like Trump, who have said that this seems like unfair government targeting of him. I worry about that, that it might spread beyond just MAGA. 
But is but is that even a fair thing for them to 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 say? I mean, Hillary no. was in, in she was investigated by the FBI over the emails. Comey exonerated her. She, Benghazi, she sat for eleven hours after years of and millions of dollars of investigate multiple investigations. The only difference was there was no there there with Trump when he and his surrogates say this is this has never been done before to a president. Exactly. I agree with that. It's because no other president has ever committed this kind of crime and treasonous behavior. You got to pal around <laughs> with me one day. You got to listen I would to love everything. You got to hang out with you in Washington I... one day. That's like a dream. <laughs> Take me to I'll all the, up the real deep state places, all the deep <laughs> red state places. I want to go I'll on that come trip. Up to, I'll come up to New York City and you can listen to all the shit I get every day from Republican voters. And Andy, everything you just said, they, they'll they never know. Like to each and every one of them, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and Mike Pence all did the same thing. They were all caught, oops, with classified documents. None of the differences are clear to them. None. I agree, I, I agree with that. It, so my question again is, how does this change? You know what? I'm going to read you your tweet from, I think, this morning. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm going to read the whole thing because uh, I, I need the emphasis. Quote, <laughs> the cult never, ever, 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 ever holds the cult leader accountable. <laughs> True words have never been spoken. It's a fucking well, cult, isn't I, it? That's the difference. Andy, I, I say that because you used to whack me over the head. You used to be a jerk to me. I, I say that as a former member of the cult. Who got out? Um, yeah, no, no, the cult won't. So how does it end? I think it's a race, Andy. I think that this strengthens him among the 30 to 40% of the Republican primary vote that is Trump or die. I think this hardens that support. So it's a race between will that support grow or, the re or, or will the Republican uh, uh, feeling that, oh my God, there's so much Donald. I it's, I'm, I'm exhausted. And so it's gotta be somebody else. It's a race between those two Republican feelings, I think. Well, the, I think when you look at it as a cult and you ask, how does it end? Well, you know, look at Jonestown, <laughs> right? Like it ended with cyanide, right? Like it doesn't usually end well with these cults. And something else uh, serious and alarming for folks listening to us, Andy, uh, you probably felt this way. I I knew, based on what I heard from Republicans in the months leading up to January 6th, I knew there was going to be violence. The shit I'm hearing now, I, I really worry about violence really? in these next 15 to 17 months. Yes. Mm. Yes. That wouldn't, uh, that uh, wouldn't surprise me because, you know, all it takes is one lunatic to do something weird. So if you put 50 lunatics together, you're going to have a pretty bad day. But I, I don't think we're going to see something like the, no. the J6 again. But all you need is one one crazy person, you know. And, you know, the other thing, too, is all these people who are supporting Trump, they've not seen the evidence yet. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. crazy how someone could say, they this is a witch hunt, this is this, it's that, it's a deep state, it's weaponization of the... They haven't seen one fucking shred of evidence i know i've told you this before because you got mad at me um jim jordan and i don't get mad at me again jim just, jordan just and the I start went... of that sentence is never good <laughs> that's like saying that you know the good thing about hitler was 
Jim Jordan, when I was in Congress, Jim Jordan and I used to be best friends. Hard to believe. Wow. Andy, I vividly remember late at night after a series of votes, him looking at me and telling me, Joe, we can never fucking let Obama be above the law. No president's above the law. He went off on this one night when we were in Congress together. Think about that. Jim Jordan. And, and, and he has sold his soul to a president we've never, ever seen before. Who's a dictator, a strong man. Mm-hmm. All sold their soul. All of them. Oh, it just saddens me. It just pains me. Well, when you think about Watergate and how the Republican Party and Baker and guys went to Nixon and said, hey, sir, it's over. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Like they, they had a soul. Like I don't mind. I, I, I'm okay with partisanship. I'm okay with backstabbing. I'm okay with all the old school crap that politicians do. I don't understand to, to your point that you just made. When did that moment come where, you know, we agree and it's partisanship stops at the shore? Like when did it become okay to like love Kim Jong un and Putin and destroy the rule of law? and attack the constitution and storm the Capitol and be violent and kill people. Like when did all of that become okay? Or more so, why did it become okay amongst a majority of the Republican party? Because, um, and I played a part in this because the base of the Republican party, Andy, is middle-aged and older white people. And these middle-aged and older white people for years had fears and concerns about how quickly America, in their eyes, was changing. The Republican Party establishment ignored these people and laughed at them. Then, Andy, you had people like me come along, and we got them all fucking inflamed. And then Trump radicalized them. So now it's they're completely out now. They no longer believe in truth. Uh, they've given up. You, you and I have talked about this. They've given up on democracy. Right. Like they want 1954 America back. They no longer believe the democratic process can get it back. Give me a fucking Orban or a Trump or a DeSantis to get it for me. So, so the base of one of our two major political parties is completely radicalized. I got a question for you. Do, do you think, because I don't think the Democratic Party would ever do this. Do, do you think the Democratic Party could ever be cult-like like this? No. You don't? No. It, you really don't? Uh, no, I, I don't. And, and you know why? And, and this uh, is going to sound horrible. Uh-oh. You're going to sound like a Manhattan <laughs> elite. Go ahead. Damn right I am, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> because Democrats are smart. Even the dumb ones are smart. <laughs> Even the dumb ones don't vote against their own self-interests. And here's the thing about what you said about Trump and Orban. Okay. Yeah. Somehow your former party people, they the voters, they have to understand what fascism is, right? After all, the, the the last century that we lived in in this country, where we a good chunk of that we fought fascism, fought communism, fought dictatorships, still fight the dictatorships. What's making the Republican Party embrace fascism uh, uh, with uh, such uh, zeal? Uh, it's crazy. Uh, uh, Andy, Andy, retribution, like like they haven't thought that far ahead. This is pure retribution. And again, you can disagree with me, my friend. We're talking about people who for years have felt like 
the media is against them. Popular culture is against them. Hollywood is against them. Academia is against them. All these political elites are against them. And by the way, Andy, I know you're shaking your head at me. There's a wee little bit of truth in all of that. Mm -hmm. But but so, so that they've built up this resentment over years. And along comes a son of a bitch, Donald Trump, who says, I'm going to fucking declare war on all of these things. And they have just said, build the wall, do it. Mm -hmm. They have not looked five, 10 years down the road. The indictment. I'll share my opinion in a second, but I want to hear mm -hmm. yours. Is this a sad, dark day for America as we keep no. hearing? Keep going. No. You lead first. I, <laughs> I think it's, I, I like uh, uh, Claire McCaskill, who I like, was on one of the shows last night and she said, don't celebrate. There's nothing to celebrate here. Mm -hmm. Fuck, no, celebrate. Andy, and I'll, I'll just be brief. Uh, yes, we should celebrate. The justice system held. Mm -hmm. The rule of law held. Mm -hmm. The principle that no one is above the law held. Mm -hmm. Accountability held, even for powerful and rich people. Mm -hmm. I think celebrate that. Yeah, you, I think you literally were just, you were looking at my notes, weren't you? Because <laughs> he, well, I mean, he just said exactly the same thing I was going to say. And I was going to say also, uh, let's not get caught up in the emotion of it. It doesn't have to be a sad day or a happy day. It's an important day, right? It's an important day for all the reasons you just said. It's important for the rule of law. It's important for the for the Constitution, for our democracy, for the future. It's important. It's important that those who commit crimes are held accountable. Kevin McCarthy, Andy, who I served with, got no core. He's just, he said, it's, it's a dark day. I said, January 6th was a dark day. I mean, think about January 6th. It was a violent attempt to overthrow an American election. That's dark. This is the just ju the justice system working. Yeah, and it's not, not only dark. was it a dark day, it was a dark day that Kevin McCarthy was on the fucking phone to the White House begging Trump to stop it from being so dark. And what happened after? Do you ever Wait. look back, Andy? Do you ever look back at that time? Because I do. There was a window there where McCarthy, McConnell, and even most Republicans had a window there to mm -hmm. take Trump out. There's been a million windows. This is what I don't understand. There's been a million windows. It's like, you ever watch a movie like where like, you know, somebody breaks into a house and they fight and they struggle and, and there's, the door is wide open and you're like, run, just run out the door. What, yeah. But they, they, yeah. come, they go out and, but then they go back in the house to get something. And you're like, you're going back in the house where the killer is? Like, you were outside, just go. Like, there's been a million moments like that where the Republicans were, they were outside the house. The killer was inside, Trump. Because Andy, they believe that the killer is eventually going to die and all the money and all the ratings and your reelection chances and your future in the party are all inside the house. So all the good stuff is in the house and this monster in the house, he's eventually going to die. So I need to stay in the house, make nice with the monster, stroke him, wipe his brow, bow to him, because once he dies, then I'm right there and I got all the ratings and the money and the reelections and uh, the offices and everything. It, it's so stay in the house. It's all so sick. I mean, it really is. Like, I, I, I just. I think... Yeah, but can I can I yell at you for a sec? Sure. Everybody else has I mean been this. doing it my whole <laughs> life. So why, why I mean get, in, get in line. Andy, I mean this with all the respect in the world. 
you sound, you know, you sound naive to me right now. You're a, you're a politician who, and I've been one, your only goal in life is to be viable and get reelected. Mm. Of course, the smart thing to do. Liz Cheney, smart thing. Adam Kinzinger. There's been plenty of people, you know, who in the Republican Party who have said, I'm out. I can't do this. I'm yeah, out. Yeah, and then right. when they're, and then, and then fought against him. You don't no, have no, to be Andy. that way, you know? No, no, I, I agree, Andy, but when you do what I did or Liz or Kinziger did, you're out of the house. I mean, you can you can try to create your own life out here, but you're no longer a part of that club. You're no, you lose it. Liz Cheney will never get elected as a Republican again. Adam Kinzinger knows he's done as a Republican. I knew five years ago I was done. You give all of that up. Hmm. Yeah, it's no, I, easy. I I understand, and I and I, I, in defense of myself, I'm I'm not naive. I'm, I'm just perplexed. I don't get it. It just is so fucking stupid. He's attacked Kaylee. You cannot be more of a sycophantic weasel than than Kaylee McEnany. And guess what? She gets thrown under the bus, and she's probably so sitting there going, I... "Now all the fucking years and all the times I defended this monster and and and." embarrassed and humiliated myself for him and this is what i get in return right so so now i will compliment you um <laughs> oh, you, sure. play it, with my emotions uh, that no, no 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 uh, seriously no stroking here you're made of different stuff you're made of better stuff you could not and would not do what these republicans have done mm -hmm. you would have if you were in my position you would have done the same damn thing you would have spoken the truth uh, most politicians andy are not like that hmm it, 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 it's a shame. And I, and I think you're probably right in the sense that it will take a heart attack. I think that's the only thing that happens here because Trump is a once in a lifetime phenomenon. You know, you see guys like Ron DeSantis try to be him, Marjorie Taylor. No. They can't be him. He's him. No. There's only one him. He's, he's got it down to a science. He is an evil genius and he's got his own brand of charisma and he's yeah. just a sociopath and he's not tethered to the truth or reality or feelings or anyone else's feelings. And that kind of person, even in politics, only comes around perhaps once in a lifetime. And so I think the answer to my own question in terms of when does it end, it probably ends when he dies. And he's, you know, probably going to be around for a, a lot longer than anyone, yeah. you know, would like perhaps. And so we probably are looking at another 10, 15 years of, of this in the Republican well, Party. Well, and, and, uh, agreed. And again, I, I don't believe my former party can be saved. I think it's on this road and I think it will continue to shrink every day. But Andy, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now. I think the conventional wisdom that there's no way Trump can get elected again is way, way off. Yeah. I really think if he's the nominee, even with another indictment or two, I think he's going to be a hell of a lot more competitive against 110-year-old Joe Biden than people think. I really do. And that's a concern. We need to be steadfast. What's really insane, and I agree, I agree with you, so I want to say that up front, but what's really <laughs> insane is that you're talking about a guy who's been impeached twice, indicted at least twice, who's who's likely facing prison time at some point soon or soon-ish and we're talking about him as like oh yeah yeah he could he could win he could be president again like how insane is that andy you're talking about the guy who 
for the first time in American history, lost an election and refused to concede or participate in the peaceful transfer of power in this nation's entire history had never been done. Then on top of it, you're talking about a guy who led a violent attempt to overthrow that election. Mm -hmm. And he's the leader of this party. So it says more about the party than it does Trump. What do you make, speaking of that, what do you make of people like Pence, who basically this week said he's horrible, he's a monster, he, he put himself before the Constitution, he tried to have me killed, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. But if he was a nominee, I'd vote for him again. Like, how do you get from A to B with that? How, these but, people have, have no souls? Again, am I being naive again? No, no, no. Everything else they say is noise. Like, that's the ultimate red line. Um, if you can't say as a Republican right now, right now, that if Trump is the nominee, I will not support him. Nothing else you say matters. Like, like uh, right. everybody's talking about tough guy, Chris Christie. Uh, Fuck Chris Christie. Right. Fuck Chris Christie. Chris Christie uh, is on record so far saying, ah, Trump's the nominee. Yeah. Ah, mm -hmm. He's a piece of shit. But I'll... And Pence the same way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, because the Republicans, Andy, have made this a criteria to get on the debate stage. You have to pledge that you'll support whoever the nominee is. Okay, so you're Chris Christie, Andy, and you want to debate that motherfucker on stage. Do you do you pledge that you'll support him if he's the nominee? Right. Chris Christie has to decide that. It, to me, uh, it sucks, but no, you have to say the truth. No, Look, there's no way I'd support well, him. When and if they ever debate, which is a question, but Chris Christie has to decide how he's going to respond to the inevitable. I mean, we've already seen Trump Oh, Post, yeah. Like, you know, Chris Christie sitting at a, a big buffet, like the Last Supper or something. And uh, this is how it's going to go down. Christie's going to be like, sir, you this, you're a traitor, you're that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to attack Trump. And the first words out of Trump's mouth is probably going to be like, not to Christie, but he'll look into the camera and go, see this guy? See how fat he is? Do you want a fat president? America doesn't want fat exactly. president. And then Christie's going to have to go, all right, do I now get into a, a, a match, a boxing match with him over whether I'm fat or not? Or do I ignore him, which is going to make me like it's and then it's going to be over because you don't you don't win that game against Trump. That's Trump's game. He wrote the rules. He has he, he's not tethered to he has no feelings. He doesn't care. He's just going to say whatever he wants. And and Christie's going to have to have to figure out things that Trump doesn't ever do. He's going to have to calculate in his brain. What's the best path for me here? Trump doesn't care. He just vomits out shit. So. That's how it's going to end. No, Christie can't win that. None of them can win that. Mark, we saw with Marco Rubio in sixteen. Like you try to beat Trump and play his game, it's not going to. It's not going to work. I agree, um, and I would also say this: Chris Christie. It, it, a lot depends on who the messenger is. Chris Christie is despised among Republican-based voters. Right. So for him to go after, come on, his voters don't want to hear that. Right. It, right. It, it's impossible. But well, yeah, Andy, that's the thing that Pence and all of them, none of them will say they won't support him if he's the nominee. They can't say that. Yeah. And that's the, the thing shame. they should be saying. But that's why it's going to be it's, it's just not changing for a while. Going to have to leave on that note. No. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we'll have you back again soon. Andy, I'm a big fan. Love what you do. Love like, your show. Likewise. Take care. Thanks. That's episode 82. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. 
It's very helpful. Also, take a quick second to subscribe or follow us. This way you'll get notified every time we post a new episode. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guests, Ellie Honig and Joe Walsh. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.